Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. The time has officially come. After eight long months, football is back. The week one regular season kickoff was last night between the Los Angeles Rams and the Buffalo Bills. College football had some wild games last weekend. It's season two. It's episode four. And we are in the full swing of things officially. Let's go ahead. Let's start breaking things down. All the big stories heading into the first football Sunday of the year. Let's get into it. Starting with last night's game, the season opener for the NFL week one, Los Angeles Rams, Buffalo Bills. Now, my plan was, just preface this, I've been trying to record this episode for about the last two days, I've had a lot going on, and had a big take planned out about last night's game. And this is what I was going to come on here and say. And I'll, pre- I'll also say, the Rams, they are still my pick to win the Super Bowl. They're the greatest organization in the NFL at this point. They have the star power, they have the head coach, they have the GM, They have everything they need to go win a Super Bowl this year. And don't let week one, don't let week one throw off your whole predictions, expectations for the Rams this season. I was going to come in here and say the last two days that the Bills, they didn't have a knockout punch. Or they do have a knockout punch, but they can't go 10 rounds with a fighter. Mike Tyson one of the greatest fighters ever. He would put below average and average fighters out within three rounds. But the second he faced someone that would take him 10 rounds with strategy, with skill, Mike struggled. That's what the Bills are. The Bills last year, they didn't win any one-score games. They are a team, for me, that has found their success dogging bad teams and demolishing average ones. Every time they have faced a well-built team last season, they folded. And last night shows the Bills, they learned from that this offseason. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Ramsey, Cup, they were facing a ton of stars out there. And Josh Allen exposed Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey had a perfect passer rating against him when Matthew Stafford was throwing Jalen Ramsey's way. Gave up 150-something yards. Had two touchdowns against them. Poor and average teams last year, the Bills would smoke. But whenever they played an above-average team, they would fold. They never won one game that was a one score. But they showed up for opening day. In SoFi Stadium, in Los Angeles, Buffalo showed up. Their defense had seven sacks. Von Miller, a huge acquisition for them. They gave Von Miller an astronomical contract, if we recall. Six years out the ass, money-wise. And he had two sacks last night. First game already coming up for b- big for them. And he commands attention. Von Miller is one of those players. He's like Aaron Donald. Him being on that line, he takes two people that frees up another guy. Guaranteed, those other five sacks, they came from the help of Von Miller drawing attention on the other side of the line. The Rams' offensive line was much weaker. It did not take long to see 
that Andrew Whitworth, the loss of him after he retired after the Super Bowl victory, did not take long to see how big of a loss that'll be for the Rams throughout this season. The offensive line straight got punched in the face, and they didn't know how to respond. Matthew Stafford had three interceptions, didn't have any time to throw. The Rams, I'm still saying it, might cause controversy. The Rams are still my pick to go win the Super Bowl this year. We've talked about world-class organizations before on this show. Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Rams, how they just simply do things differently. They get more money than anybody else. They're more successful than anybody else, and they just know how to run things. This is the first time in Sean McVay's career he has ever been below 500. In his six years as head coach, he's going into year six, he has never been below 500. This is first time at 0-1 after losing to the Buffalo Bills last night. And it's impressive to me how the Bills were able to come out this year. They built, they knew, like I said, I was going to come in here and say the Bills didn't, weren't able to go four quarters with the team. I kept thinking last night the Rams were going to come back and the Bills weren't going to know how to respond to that. But they kept their foot on the pedal, kept their foot on the Rams' necks and did not let up for the entire ball game and that's what I needed to see from the Buffalo Bills to make me more confident in them the AFC is still stacked you still have Patrick Mahomes Justin Herbert Lamar Jackson all these guys I've got a lot more faith in the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen now it's hard for me to pick a Super Bowl prediction and all that they're in a tough division Bills earned a hell of a lot more respect out of me last night there's going on there's I've been talking now for the last three weeks about the Steelers QB controversy their dilemma and this past week it became official the Pittsburgh Steelers are starting Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback week one and in my opinion this is a complete mistake Mitchell Trubisky don't get me wrong I've got respect for him he's one of the better average quarterbacks in the NFL he can go out and get you eight wins but the Pittsburgh Steelers are a historic organization they need to stop settling for 500 which they've done for the last 10 years Kenny Pickett they've got a guy who has had more college starts than anyone else Kyler Murray Justin Herbert all these guys they only got one year of college starts Kenny Pickett got three years of starts and did not have to leave the hometown did not have to leave the stadium he was playing in in college. He's staying in Pittsburgh, staying at not Heinz Field any longer, but staying there. Mitch, we know what Mitchell Trubisky is. And the Steelers, in as loaded of a division as the AFC North is, needs to recognize that next year, it's only going to get better when Deshaun Watson gets to play the entire year. They need to find out now what they have from Kenny Pickett. And costing them the first four, five, six weeks of the season until Mike Tomlin finally gets fed up and bitches, benches Mitch Trubisky, there's no point in that. You're wasting valuable time that could be spent developing Kenny Pickett. This is a historic organization in Pittsburgh, but yet 
they only have one way to beat you this year, and that's an overwhelming pass rush, and TJ Watt has already gotten banged up. Their offensive coordinator, eh. They have no good quarterback, and they have a decent offense otherwise, but compared to the Ravens and Bengals in the division, who are all... They're all put together. They've had chemistry for years. They know what they're doing. Compared to those teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't going to be able to complete, compete, and those are going to be four games out of the year. This is exactly where the 49ers are right now and where they were a few years ago. The 49ers, they had a great roster a few years ago. They still have a great roster now, and just like now, with a few years ago, they had a below-average quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. And what I'm saying here is, best case for the 49ers, they have a great roster, best case for Pittsburgh, they have a great roster just like the 49ers did. They could get to a Super Bowl. Could lose it, they could win it, anything can happen in the big game. But that's what happened to the 49ers. They had plenty good roster just like Pittsburgh and a below-average quarterback in Jimmy G. Worst-case scenario, we have Denver. Denver, they had a great roster the last few years, but they have had nobody at quarterback. Drew Locke has been the best thing that's happened to them, and now they have Wilson, thankfully, but in those years, when they had a great roster and no quarterback, they didn't do much of anything, and they finished last in their division. What Pittsburgh is going to be this year is Pittsburgh, and I'll tell you exactly who they are. They're very good coaching. Meh at quarterback, which has been for the last 10 years. That's what Pittsburgh has been the last 10 years. Very good at coaching, meh at quarterback, and can only win one way. They will not pivot to offense. They can't get there. They can't get to a Super Bowl like the 49ers did because they don't have the same offensive firepower and Kyle Shanahan and these guys that the 49ers did and they're not going to be Denver because they have too good of a roster and too good of a culture and they're a historic organization so they're going to teeter-tatter in between at 500 they're going to be a 500 team yet again just like they've been hovering for years for the last 10 years, all we've seen is 8-8, eight and 8-9, eight, eight and 7-9 and nine out of these Pittsburgh Steelers teams They've had Ben Roethlisberger at QB, which I never, I liked Big Ben. I always thought they could have upgraded. And now, obviously, post Big Ben, they don't know how to operate. They don't know how to act. There is no point in this move to go to Mitchell Trubisky if you want to set yourself up for future success, especially with the QB drafts coming up, a QB draft coming up that's got five to six guys who are going to be selected in the first round. If you want to set yourself up for success, there is no reason to start Mitchell Trubisky. I'm sorry for the disrespect there, Mitchell Trubisky, but I'm going to go to another guy that has been getting way too much disrespect, and that's Russell Wilson, a Denver Bronco team we were just talking about. Now, Russell Wilson to me. He is one of the most disrespected NFL players in all of NFL history. On the NFL Top 100 this past couple weeks, he was ranked 61st. You're telling me that there are 60 players better in this league than Russell Wilson is. 
Russell Wilson has also never had an MVP vote. Chad Pennington has had MVP votes. Russell Wilson, in all of his years, has never gotten one. And people still, people love to question if it was the defense and Pete Carroll in Seattle that did it for Russell Wilson. Is that what made him better? It's just like the Brady and Belichick thing. Everybody questioned if Belichick made Brady or Brady made Belichick. In reality, they made each other. But it's a debate everyone loves to have. And this has been Russell Wilson's entire career. People have been doubting him. At state, at NC State, he was sidelined for Mike Glennon, even though the coach loved him. And he, wa- he went to Wisconsin and it had a huge breakout year. You think, think this way with Pete Carroll and the defense. Let's flip this. Pete Carroll without Russell Wilson. What has he done in his career? Pete Carroll without Russell Wilson. He's been fired. He's been fired again. And he went 14-18 and 18 with Matt Flynn at quarterback and was about to lose his job until Russell Wilson was drafted and saved it for him. That's Pete Carroll's NFL career. Fired, fired, 14-18. and 18. The second he gets Russell Wilson, they go from a 7-9 to an 11-5 team. They already had the defense before Russell Wilson got there. They were 7-9 and nine with that defense. They were 7-9 and nine with Pete Carroll. He went 14-18 and 18 with Matt Flynn at quarterback, which we've been, Matt Flynn was my backup quarterback, the Packers, for years. That kid can ball. Went 14-18 and 18 with him at quarterback. Elite defense, Legion of Boom, 12th man. Second you draft this kid out of Wisconsin, Russell Wilson, they go 11-5. and five. The league is doubting Denver. The league doesn't think the Broncos can win the West, but they are going to be the dark horse team this year. Jerry, Judy, and the offense they've got, I was drafting my fantasy teams this past week. And let me tell y'all, the disrespect that Jerry, Judy was getting in projected points and wide receiver rankings and the rounds he was drafted, I picked up Judy in one of my drafts because it was like the 11th round. And I went, what are people doing? This is going to be an 11-plus win team. And they're opening up. Opening night. Denver at Seattle. Russell Wilson's going home. If anybody's got any speculation about that game, and we'll get to my favorite games of the week and, like, what's a bet and all that, I'll go ahead and give you now. Denver is a damn lock. Russell Wilson's going to go in there and light it up the same way he lit it up after he left NC State. Now, going to an older figure here. Owen, he's been around the league forever. He built an iconic stadium. Runs America's team, quote-unquote. Jerry Jones, there's something interesting happening with him. And in my opinion, I think he's starting to become like Al Davis towards the end. He said the other day on a radio show, just like Jerry Jones loves to do, no other owners do it, but Jerry Jones has to go on a radio show every Tuesday and talk about himself and the team. He said one plus one equals three, referring to the Dallas Cowboys. Basically meaning he has optimism, there's plenty of optimism, there's tons to be excited about. Now, the reason I say he's becoming like Al Davis towards the end is Jerry Jones overall, he speaks way too much. 
he's overly optimistic and he will not listen to outside sources at all he's got dozen people screaming in his ear and jerry jones continues to do what jerry jones wants to do this is how you describe the situation currently of the dallas cowboys the situ- the situation that they are in i can't stand the head coach i'm not sold on dak prescott He has never proved to me he can take a depleted offensive line and a depleted receiving core and an overpaid running back and make magic. We've seen Tom Brady. We've seen Aaron Rodgers. We've seen Matthew Stafford. Those types of guys who are proven make that magic. That's why you can confidently sit there and say one plus one equals three if you have one of those guys. But instead, you have a head coach. I cannot stand Mike McCarthy. You have a quarterback I have never been entirely sold on. And compared to so many other teams in this league, we look at the Packers, LaFleur and Rodgers, Chiefs, Reed and Mahomes, the Bills, Allen and McDermott, Ravens, Harbaugh and Jackson. The amount of QB and coach combos you have, the main thing you got to look at with NFL teams that are purely better, way better, I would say Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan is better than this duo. You have all these QB and coach combos that are better. One plus one does not equal three. And Jerry Jones has got to stop being so optimistic and listen to others. It's not the league from 20 years ago. That's simply not the case. And Dallas has not been relevant in terms of the Super Bowl in 26 years. The false optimism has led them here, and it is going to continue to lead them all the way off the cliff. Jerry Jones needs to pipe it. Needs to strap his big boy boots on, needs to get in the office, and he needs to start making moves. Jerry Jones, he has so much power over that team, what happens with them. And to say 1 plus 1 equals 3 with Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy as your combo compared to the Packers, Chiefs, Bills, Chargers, Ravens, all these teams, to say that's your combo, it's an embarrassment. Now, another guy here who is getting far too much disrespect. This is a topic that broke about an hour before I'm filming this. It's Lamar Jackson. It's the Baltimore Ravens. And they did not come to terms on a new contract today. This was Lamar Jackson's cutoff date. If they could not get a contract ired out, he's going to play the rest of this season on his rookie deal, and then he'll be a free agent at the end of this year. He's going to play on the rookie deal. I never like when quarterbacks do this. We saw with Baker Mayfield this past season, he didn't get the money he wanted the previous offseason. He chose to bet on himself, play this year. He ended up getting hurt, trying to play through injury to earn himself more money. All he did was get himself shipped out of town, still is on a bad deal, and turned down a buttload of money that he could never see again you don't want to risk yourself playing as physical of a game and Lamar Jackson we know what type of player he is he's a guy who likes to run he's a guy that get he could get injured at any moment and to just bet your money away like that and risk it all on yourself that is a big move to make now I said this means he's going to be a free agent at the end of this offseason and Lamar can make any moves. I see him staying with Baltimore purely because he was drafted 32nd overall. 
you know, kind of got like that doubt around him, the doubt on his name. And Lamar appreciates the city that drafted him. There is a risk on both sides here not locking this up. The Baltimore Ravens, they could lose Lamar. Lamar could get hurt and lose out on all this guaranteed money. Baltimore also has the ability to franchise tag him at the end of this year. This is going to be a storyline that's developing. But with all of his friends, all of his buddies he came in the league with, Mahomes, Allen, Murray, those guys all getting paid now, it's Lamar Jackson's time. And I think what the Ravens are doing to him is completely disrespectful. He has earned his cash being the unanimous MVP, doing all that. There is no reason not to pay Lamar Jackson his money. And circling on today, I got one more little NFL topic for you all ahead of the sports bets of the week. The Packers pregame predictions. You all know I do this every week for the NFL. Head of the Packers games. They play at Minnesota at 425 Sunday, September 11th. It is going to be a huge, I cannot wait for this game you never know with week one of the year anything can possibly happen especially with how depleted of a wide receiving corp the Packers have last year they completely slumped in week one losing 38 to 3 against the New Orleans Saints everybody said Rodgers is done this team's done he came out and won MVP we went 13 and 3 blah 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 yada 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 now Minnesota has a new offensive head coach this year. They finally got rid of Mike Zimmer. Kirk, we already know, he has always put up big stats, and he's just going to continue to grow those numbers now. This is going to be a back-and-forth game, and it's hard for me to even predict what is going to happen. It is in division. Both teams have firepower. Both teams know each other's rosters. I think Minnesota could easily win this game. But you know, I always have to ride with my Packers. They're the better team here. Minnesota, they've got one of the best rosters. We've got one of the best defense. Top three run game. The receivers will come out. Everybody's doubting me. Everybody's laughing at me right now saying that. Our receiving corp is not going to be as bad as everyone thinks. And that's why I'm taking Packers favored by one and a half over the Vikings. Hammer it. They will win by at least two points. Packers will open up the season 1-0. Vikings will open up 0-1. And that's going to roll me into my next segment for today. Week 1's best bets. I've got five bets for you all. Two I hate, two I love, and then a spread pick. I'm just starting today with the money lines. My favorite money lines. Straight up winners. Ravens at Jets. Jets now have Joe Flacco starting for them. Zach Wilson got yopped out of the lineup a couple days ago due to an injury. They now have Joe Flacco starting for him. This is the biggest line of the entire weekend. I have to pick the Ravens to win straight up. I see them going into New York and handling business, starting off 1-0. Lamar is going to be looking to earn his contract and make his money. Broncos at Seahawks. This is my other lock of the week. I think the Broncos are going to go in there and do everything they can to shut down Geno Smith. It's not going to be that much. We could even see a little bit of Drew Locke action from the Seahawks side of things based off how the first half goes. But this this to me is a game that's going to be 48-13. Russell Wilson knows the environment. It's not like he's rolling up to Seahawks Stadium as 
his fourth year as a fourth year quarterback who's never played there before and doesn't understand it. He's played there his entire career, knows what he's doing. Broncos are going to go in there and absolutely handle business. The money lines I would avoid. Colts at Texans. I can't tell y'all why I hate this line. It might be because Matt Ryan, this is his first game as a starter for the Colts. We don't know what's going to happen there. It might be because the Colts had a big letdown at the end of last season, and we know the Colts to be ones that have big letdowns, especially in division against the Texans and against the Jaguars. It might be because the Texans, they've made improvements this offseason. They're trying to turn around their franchise, and it would be good to start them week one. But I just cannot. I'm telling you all, do not bet the Colts' money line week one. It is not worth it. I've got a bad feeling. And the second money line I wouldn't I would not bet Titans versus the Giants. I know everybody's like, why would you not bet the Titans there? Now, we don't know what's gonna happen with their offense. They lost AJ Brown, they lost Julio Jones, they gained uh Robert Woods, but we don't know how he's gonna be, don't know how he's gonna come in. Derrick Henry, they're gonna start giving him less snaps. They need Derrick Henry to be able to go weeks 10 through 18 last year him getting injured week eight it's due to all the snaps and all the reps he was getting they're going to be limiting him everybody always has doubts about ryan Tannehill, and all the wise guys online and stuff like that have been talking a lot about the giants new gm new head coach they've got they had a great draft they brought in players the Giants are going to come out this weekend looking to make a statement. Saquon Barkley is also back and healthy. So this game for me is going to come down to purely Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, just in my opinion, is someone I never want to leave my parlay or my bet in the hands of. You don't know what that man is going to do. This is a make it or break it year for him. And he's going to be come out here and try and make it week one. Do not bet the Tennessee Titans money line. And the only spread I have for you all today, I was looking at the spreads. I was going to pick more. I honestly just didn't love any of them. I start betting them more as the season goes on. But start the, start the NFL season, I didn't love any. You don't know how these teams are going to play, especially week one. Offense lags three to four weeks behind the defense, so you just don't know. We saw Matthew Stafford throw three picks, Josh Allen throw two picks, just uncharacteristic stuff on the offensive side of the ball for the first few weeks. Uh, the spread I have for you all, though, it's going to be Eagles at the Lions. Eagles are favored by four points. I've got to take Eagles minus four here. Lions were on hard knocks, blah, 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 blah. Dan Campbell has all these quotes. I don't think that's going to matter. The Eagles are my dark horse team. I think they could be the number one seed in the NFC this year, get 13 wins. With Jalen Hurts taking another year gap, having more time to improve, they got their weapons this offseason. They got rid of Rager. They have A.J. Brown now. Eagles are going to come out week one looking for a statement, and that statement's going to be beating the Detroit Lions by more than four points. The last segment I have for you all today, I want to talk a little bit of college football before we get out of here. I'm sure you all have seen the giant news. Thank God it came. I celebrated like when they finally added the NIL deal, but I've been advocating for it for years. The 12-team college football playoff. There is finally a solution here for all of college football's problems. Now, it started years ago 
BCS with computer rankings and people uh, filling out charts, all this and that, and only the top two would play for the national title. That soon that changed to a four-team playoff, and there's been a big problem with a four-team playoff, especially since 2014, because the power of the schools have become consolidated to just a select few. Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, they receive all of the talent, all the five-star nowadays. College football has been experiencing an absolutely major issue. No other teams are becoming competitive, and as years go on, the gap just becomes greater and greater and greater. And finally, this 12-team playoff in the NIL are here to help. I went back since 2014 and looked at all the teams that if there was a 12-team college playoff, How many different teams would have made it? There would have been 41 teams to make the playoffs since 2014 if we would have already been in this format. 10% of college football since 2014, 10% of all teams have made the playoffs. That number would go to 31%. Almost a third of all teams would be making the playoffs in the last eight years. The way you define your program in college football, the way you define your program is through the playoffs. Players, they don't play in meaningless bowl games. Your school's not getting as much exposure. Everybody's been hating on players sitting out and all this. Well, now that's not going to be a problem. We're getting six first-round games and three second-round games. It is going to be electric. This is going to change college football dramatically. Having college football playoff appearances helps recruiting on all levels dramatically. There's purely everybody. It's obvious the consolidation of power that we are seeing in college football. Even when schools like Ohio State and Georgia went up against good teams this last weekend, they still buzzed right through them like a lawnmower. It did not matter. Things need to change in college football, and at the latest, it's coming at 2026. I think it could possibly come earlier because they need to balance the power back out. If you look at five-star recruits since 2014, Alabama has 40 of them. Georgia 36, Ohio State 26, Clemson 22, LSU 19. The top five schools to win natties or be close to it during the last eight years since 2014 have all of the top five recruits. And everyone else past A&M at 19 doesn't even come close. Talent matters. Success matters. It's bad for the sport when all the talent is grouped into one small area. It's bad for the sport. It's bad for economic health of schools. It's bad overall. No one wants that. It's like America. We don't like when the top 1% has all the money, do we? Every, that's what everybody's always arguing about. 
The top 1% of college football right now has all the talent. And this is the way to start breaking that up. This and the NIL. Schools now having money to give players and possibly having playoff appearances. Because playoff appearances, what does it mean? It means more money for the school, means more film for players, it means players are getting seen by a wider audience, the school's getting more reach. This is everything you could want from college football, and in terms of a money-making aspect, in terms of a team's getting better aspect, it's everything you could want, and it shocks me that it took this long to make happen. Now, this isn't going to happen overnight. Schools aren't going to magically get better and start being able to compete with Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, these teams. College football is going to be stuck this way for the next five or so years at the minimum. But once we start seeing eight other teams in the college football, when we start seeing Penn State, University of Colorado, which University of Colorado, if I would have read you guys the list of teams that would have made the playoffs, UCF, Colorado, A&M, just a couple of those. Penn State Penn State would have made it three or four times. These teams are going to become drastically better. Five years from now, might not be a huge change. Ten years from now, we're going to start seeing a really big change. Fifteen years from now, we are going to see college football on an even level playing field. And no longer are people only going to be betting three teams total to win the national championship. There's going to be a much larger pool. To, there's going to be a lot more to pull from. And I think that's what everybody has asked for for years. Everybody just wants college football more competitive. Kind of more like college basketball. More teams having a shot at it. And just like NFL. NFL sayings, any given Sunday. Any, any given Saturday for uh, college football. Anything can happen any given day. Alabama, especially in the playoffs, could go down any weekend. You never know it. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. I could not be more excited for the NFL, college football, all of it to officially be here. And I won't be missing a week reacting to it all. So be sure to hit the subscribe button not to miss out. Until next time, peace.